0: Chapter twenty-four of Dr. luttrell's First Patient by Rosa This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Not yet, but here I bring within my trembling hand this will of mine, a thing that seemeth small, and thou alone, O Lord, can understand how when I yield thee this i yield mine all anonymous it was some time before aunt madge could be lifted on to the couch in the sitting-room and even then deb declared that she was not the weight of a child of eight or nine there is nothing of her miss olive she grumbled she is worn to such a shadow tire my arms indeed i could lift a heavier weight than that and deb gave one of her ominous sniffs and went off to her kitchen to shed a few tears in private all those weeks olivia had been unremitting in her attentions and all other visits were interdicted but the friends at galveston house showed their sympathy in every possible way mr gaythorne sent choice old wine and game and greta and alwyn kept the invalid supplied with fruit and flowers mrs crampton made jellies and soups the little larder at mayfield villas was filled to overflowing mrs broderick took it all gratefully and gave her nurses no trouble i am under orders she would say with a pitiful attempt at her old drollery but only olivia who loved and understood her ever guessed at the sadness of those days of convalescence one evening as they were together in the twilight olivia ventured to hint at this depression she was waiting for marcus to come and fetch her for they were to dine at Galveston house is it because you are too weak to feel cheerful dear aunt Madge? she asked tenderly but mrs broderick shook her head it is because i am a coward she returned with a spirit of her old energy ah Livy, i am ashamed to tell you what a coward i have been but i simply felt as though i could not face it let me explain myself i feel strong enough to talk and it may do me good dear child dearest livy stroking her hand you have been such a comfort to me do you remember that night when i told you i was not going to die well i had had a wonderful dream a vision rather for i shall always think it one i thought that i was wandering in some strange place some vast emptiness where there was nothing human but myself and that i came suddenly to a wide-arched portal that seemed to reach to the stars and i said to myself this is the gate of paradise as i stood on the threshold i could see a green space like a valley bathed in sunlight and even noticed the white starry flowers growing everywhere and then i saw my dear fergus looking just as he did in life only somehow with a grander and more peaceful look on his dear face and he was leading our little malcolm by the hand i thought i kissed them both and clung to them in a perfect ecstasy of joy but fergus looked at me in such a tender solemn way not yet madge he said your work is not quite done yet the master has sent me to tell you so be patient true heart when the time comes malcolm and i will be here and then i felt myself falling and when i opened my eyes i saw you sitting there by the bedside what a sweet dream dearest yes i am beginning to feel the comfort of it now but that night i felt as though my heart were broken to be so near and then to have to go back but livy i am trying to say it thy will not mine be done god's will not ours surely our father knows what is best for his poor child and you are not unhappy only a little sad and tired but that will pass it is passing now and the old lovely smile came to her lips don't you recollect what keble says tis sweet as year by year we lose friends out of sight in faith to muse how grows in paradise our store what are a few more years of loneliness when fergus and i have eternity to spend together there i hear marcus is not he will scold me for making you look sad but aunt madge was wrong for once in his life marcus was too preoccupied to notice the signs of agitation on his wife's face what do you think dear people he said brightly when he had greeted the invalid dr bevan and i have settled matters he will have the deed of partnership drawn up at once nothing can be fairer or more liberal than his terms i told him i had only half a dozen paying patients at present but he said that i should soon have more we have turned the corner livy and my wife shall walk in silk attire yet and marcus flung back his head with a gesture of pride and importance my dear laddie i congratulate you with all my heart returned aunt madge affectionately as she grasped his hands livy looks quite dazed and no wonder and then a warm flush came to olivia's cheek dear marcus i am so glad so thankful she whispered yes but it will be uphill work at first he returned and i shall have plenty to do bevan is not the man he was randolph does not seem satisfied about him but he will pick up when the warm weather comes oh by the bye livy i have not told you half yet bevan insists on our moving at once he wants me to take a good house either in brunswick place or montague square or one of those roads leading out of it it is well that we have that nest egg the five hundred pounds untouched it will pay for the necessary furniture and the first year's rent will be assured yes indeed returned olivia in a low voice she was awed and overwhelmed by this unexpected good fortune but marcus would not allow any more talking his professional eyes had already noted the signs of weariness and exhaustion in the invalid we must go now he said abruptly we will talk over details another time it is no use giving aunt madge a bad night and then olivia rose reluctantly and put on her wraps i shall come to-morrow afternoon and tell you everything she said and mrs broderick nodded and smiled but as they slipped out into the wintry darkness and olivia took her husband's arm she said with a little laugh i am so glad i have put on my wedding-dress to-night i ought to be smart for such an occasion this is our first dinner-party since we have been married then it won't be our last returned marcus in a tone of conviction i wonder livy whether we shall ever regret those cosy evenings in the dear little room at number one galveston terrace but olivia only sighed happily she was too good a wife to regret anything that led to her husband's advancement very likely her cares and responsibilities would be doubled she would have less of marcus's society and the world would have claims upon them the long three years honeymoon was over but thank god something else was over too the dread of approaching poverty the sadness of unproductive labour of work done only for love's sake and without grudging the following afternoon mrs broderick lay tranquilly in the pleasant firelit twilight awaiting olivia's promised visit a pine-log was spluttering and diffusing tiny coloured sparks zoe lay curled up in a silken ball on the black bearskin rug and olivia's favourite low chair had been wheeled to the foot of the couch the tea-things were on the table and the brass trivet on the fender was suggestive of hot buttered scones oh aunt madge how cosy you look were olivia's first words may i take off my hat and jacket i am going to stay a long time and marcus hopes to come round presently then we will wait tea for him returned aunt madge with something like her old briskness will you tell deb not to bring in the kettle and scones until we ring come this is like old times it is months since marcus had tea with me now draw up your chair livy and begin your story for you are just bursting with news and though olivia laughed at this she did not deny it we had such a lovely time last night she began greta looked so pretty in her black evening dress at the top of the table she wore the pearl necklace and olive's diamond cross she has such a beautiful white throat the pearls hardly showed against it mr gaythorne came in to dinner and sat beside her but he was very tired and left us directly after and we all went up to greta's morning-room and sat round the fire talking just we four it was so nice and cosy i suppose mr gaythorne was told the grand news oh dear yes he and alwyn were so keen about it they drank the health of dr bevan's new partner mr gaythorne proposed the toast himself just as we left the dining-room i noticed that greta detained Alwyn, and they did not follow upstairs for quite a quarter of an hour but of course marcus and i took no notice they both looked a little bit excited when they came in greta gave my arm a funny little squeeze and alwyn cleared his throat and looked at marcus and then said in such a serious voice that he had an important proposal to make to us it was greta's idea but he heartily approved of it the house at brunswick place was waiting for a tenant why should not marcus take it it was to be let furnished they had decided on that already so there would be no delay or fuss necessary you might go in next week he finished the rooms only need airing and warming my dear livy what a splendid idea three cheers for greta i say yes it was all Greta's thought but oh aunt madge what a talk we had first the terms that alwyn proposed were so absurdly low that marcus got quite red and said in almost an annoyed tone you know how proud he is that he must decline living at other people's expense he would pay a fair rent for the house or he would not have it at all and then alwyn patted him on the back and told him to keep calm for no one wanted to insult him and then they went on wrangling like two schoolboys marcus called alwyn a stuck-up millionaire and alwyn retorted by telling him that he was as proud as a highlander and then greta and i called them to order but we were laughing so that we could hardly speak how i should have loved to hear them marcus is so delicious when he gets on his high horse well it was arranged at last to everybody's satisfaction though alwyn went on grumbling for a long time and we are to move in next month Marcus is to pay the full rent, and there is to be a fixed sum paid quarterly for the furniture, and at the end of two years it will be ours. They both thought this the best plan. You see, expenses will be heavy the first year, and we must not look for great profits. But there is every reasonable hope, as Marcus says, if he keeps his health, that in a year or two he may have a good practice. There is room for another doctor, even Dr. Randolph says so well livy dear i can only congratulate you yes indeed greta and i have been in brunswick place all the morning planning things oh aunt madge it is such a lovely house the dining-room and drawing-room are such handsome rooms and there is such a study for marcus it is too large for us of course and then olivia stopped and her eyes grew very wistful aunt madge dear aunt madge we want you and deb to go with us i have set my heart on it darling and marcus wants it too don't get pale over it as mrs broderick gave a little gasp listen to me a moment and olivia knelt by the couch and put her arms round her there is greta's morning-room on the first floor it is such a large cheerful room with a bay-window overlooking the nice old-fashioned garden where you could lie and look out on the trees and flowers here you see nothing but the four walls greta's bedroom is next to it you would have that too it is a pleasant front room very large and airy and so nicely furnished and my room would be just opposite deb could have the room just at the top of a short flight of stairs it looks on the garden too and she could sit there and do her sewing there are three or four other rooms besides attics but they have not been used so you can judge what a good house it is aunt madge do say you will come it will make us so happy to know you are safe under our roof think what it would be to me to have you at hand in all my little difficulties and you shall not be troubled you shall live your old life and Deb will have nothing to do but take care of you but aunt madge made no answer only a curiously sweet smile played round her lips i should be no expense to you she observed presently in a reflective tone i might even be able to help a little by the bye livy how many servants do you propose to keep in this palatial mansion i am afraid we can only afford two good ones at present that is my difficulty aunt madge what am i to do with martha she is certainly not eligible for a house parlor maid keep her as dot's nurse and i will pay her wages yes i mean it livy in a year or two with careful training that girl will be worth her weight in gold she will be a second dead to you in time oh that is marcus and we have not finished Well, are you coming to us aunt madge were marcus's first words as he entered the room there was unmistakable eagerness in his tone if you do not want livy to cry out her eyes with disappointment and if i am to have a peaceful moment for the next six months i entreat you to consent am i likely to refuse marcus but aunt madge's voice was not so clear as usual don't you think that i shall love to have you and livy caring for me so it is yes and god bless you both and a slow tear rolled down aunt madge's pale face marcus and olivia never repented that step as the years went on and other children's voices were heard in the house at brunswick place when three sturdy boys climbed up on dr luttrell's knees and two small brown-eyed girls toddled after mother aunt madge's room was the heart and nucleus of the busy household there would come marcus for a greeting word and a jest before he set off on his day's round and there olivia would betake herself for a rest and a chat when her household tasks had been dispatched she seldom found aunt Madge alone. nigel or hugh would have brought her their kites to mend or to beg that deb would make them new sails for their boat and of course where nigel went that sturdy ronald followed or the twins would be playing with their japanese babies on the carpet or rolling over each other and zoe not the same zoe alas like kittens but the most frequent visitor was dot dimpled and winsome as ever olivia had verified aunt madge's words she had grown a little stouter and more matronly and had become a fine-looking woman but the eyes were as frank and kindly as ever and one only needed to look at her to find out that she was thoroughly in harmony with her environment and madge broderick was happy although the years of her widowhood and banishment stretched out indefinitely you will make an old woman yet dr randolph alfin told her but she had ceased to wince when he said it as though a cold hand had struck her and year by year a deep peacefulness steals over the dear face and the ring of cheerfulness in the full mellow voice grows stronger i have two lovely homes livy she would say one here with you and marcus and the darling children and one in the many mansions where fergus and baby boy wait for me and as she said this a radiant smile would light her features like sunshine. End of chapter twenty-four. End of Doctor Luttrell's first patient by Rosa